Welcome to episode 25 of the Principal Liner Notes podcast. This podcast explores the intersection where passions meet, meld, and inspire. In this case, we discover that synergy within the lessons learned from music and education. Pretend that this podcast is like the back of an album cover you have just purchased and you are reading a set of liner notes. In case you are wondering, liner notes are meant to serve as a written companion to the vinyl album. They were either banal or insipid in execution. It was evident that the author barely listened to the album. Nothing was revealed about the music in this case. I prefer the other type of liner notes that attempt to capture the essence of the music. The words written bordered on poetry or read like a Jackson Pollock painting or were strung together beautifully like those notes on Miles Davis's sketches of Spain. In the case of this podcast, these are digital liner notes. I hope not to stray too far in the banal and insipid category while you listen. My name is Sean Gaylord, and I am an elementary school principal. I am the author of The Pepper Effect. That book explores my passions for the Beatles and the schoolhouse. Welcome. This episode is entitled Teaching Grace. We will explore how Jeff Buckley's only fully realized album, Grace, serves as an exemplar for a teachable moment during my high school English teaching days. It's an album I have always cherished due to the fond classroom connection. Incidentally, this is episode 25 of the Principal Liner Notes podcast, and we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of the release of Grace. This is all purely coincidental. I am so glad you stopped by this podcast. Now, let's head to the record store. Cue a little walking music. Of course, all roads lead to another visit to the record store. Spotting a gigantic box set of the newly reissued Sonic Temple by the Cult, all in honor of its 30th anniversary, sparks a discussion between you and me as we breeze through the used vinyl section. This year is a year of many anniversaries in music. From Woodstock, to the debut of Led Zeppelin's first album, to the Who's rock opera Tommy, to Abbey Road by the Beatles, all of them are celebrating their respective 50th anniversaries. These are all musical milestones that I wish I was around for at their respective inceptions. For example, I would have loved to have seen Santana at Woodstock. Another anniversary quietly ambled about the soundscape. It was 25 years ago 
that Jeff Buckley released his only album entitled Grace. I remember when the album was first released and I was a little underwhelmed by it, I must admit. We find a copy of that album to ponder its contents. I share with you my first exposure to the album was on MTV. I had seen a video. Okay, remember when MTV actually showed videos and promoted music? I had seen a video depicting Jeff Buckley's song, The Last Goodbye. I wanted to be moved by it like I had been when I had seen Jeff Buckley's father, musician and guitarist, Tim Buckley, perform Song to the Siren on an episode of The Monkees. In fact, I had first seen this particular episode on MTV during the 1986 Monkey Episode Marathon known as Pleasant Valley Sunday. Tim Buckley's Song to the Siren led me to special ordering at Peaches Records and Tapes a copy of The Best of Tim Buckley. Wow, that's another nostalgic reference there for you listeners out there if you know the reference to Peaches Records and Tapes. The particular album, The Best of Tim Buckley, led me to embracing the musical oeuvre of an individual who went from folk rock to jazz to surreal, explosive forays into the avant-garde, then to some sort of macho, pre-disco pretensions. I admired Tim Buckley and the embrace of his eclectic, wandering muse. Hearing his son, Jeff, at first sight didn't move me like Tim Buckley's music. What did give me notice, though, was that Jeff had an opera singer of a voice like his father's. The record store owner overhears our conversation and plays Tim Buckley's classic song, Once I Was. That's a good time to give it a listen here. If you're listening on the Anchor app, then you will hear the song in its entirety. If not, then you know the drill. Go seek out the song or I can lend you my record. to appreciate the Grace album by Jeff Buckley. The album is most famous for his cover of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. The version is searing and definitive. Perhaps what has gotten me to join the Jeff Buckley fan club is his version of Lilac Wine. This haunting standard from the Nina Simone catalog is proof that Jeff Buckley's voice is a national treasure. Lilac Wine is proof positive of why I love the album. It's all over the place. 
it just doesn't feature the standard fare of 1990s rock. But it takes a run off the beaten path and embraces a host of musical genres, classical, French, jazz, soul, folk, and beyond. Kind of like his father, Tim. Let's give Lilac Wine a listen. In the classroom, educators have this thing called the teachable moment. It's hard to define, and I figure that my definition pales in comparison to other astute folks. For our purposes, I am not going to state the definition. Rather, I will share an anecdote from my high school English teaching days at Reynolds High School in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. At the time, I was teaching a Shakespeare elective. It was a course that I loved dearly. Here, I was taking a deeper dive with students in plays that were not typically taught in the traditional high school English classroom by Shakespeare. So we were doing things like Richard III, The Tempest, Othello. And in this particular case, we were studying Henry IV, Part One. It was another day in the life for the class, and my students, as they entered the classroom, I saw smirks and smiles as they heard my music playing. It may have been something either by the Beatles or the Who, more than likely the Beatles. They were accustomed to my eclectic tastes in music that typically ranged out of their lifetime. If you were in my classroom, then the music was more than likely classic rock or jazz. I was behind in grading, and I had a progress report deadline looming over me. My plan was to do the old standby move called catch-up day. This was basically a time that was clothed in the guise of helping the students catch up on their work, when in all actuality, it was really designed for me. Not the kind of instructional strategy that I would condone now, but it is what it is. It was a small class, and I loved the vibe they exuded. We had a solid rapport, and I appreciated their grit and energy. There was no reason why I decided to play Grace that day. It just happened. Teacher and students, isolated in the marrow of completing our respective tasks, the class was quiet and I was in the zone of meeting whatever deadline I had to meet. As someone who is closely identified with music of a bygone era, playing an album released in 1994 is uncharacteristic 
It was on, and I wasn't thinking about the nature of my regularly spinning tunes of the Beatles, the Doors, the Who, the Allman Brothers, Joni Mitchell, Marvin Gaye. The list goes on. So the album is playing, and we're all doing our work. At one point during the song, The Last Goodbye, off the Grace album, I noticed a few heads bobbing in time to the beat. When Lilac Wine came on, a student asked me, Mr. Gaylord, what is this? I said Jeff Buckley and proceeded to get back to meeting my deadline. Another student blurted out, Well, Mr. Gaylord, this music sounds good because it's from this century. (laughs) Mild laughs ensued. They know of my fondness for music relics. If you visited my classroom during that time, you were likely to see various posters depicting the Beatles in action. Also arrayed around the room were pictures of Miles Davis, Bob Dylan, Beethoven, Aretha Franklin, The Who, and The Rolling Stones. I think Steely Dan was the latest thing I had up, and they were from the 70s. One more student chirped in, and said, Who is Jeff Buckley anyway? Before I could answer, the opening notes of Hallelujah began to play. Immediately, a few students blurted out, Shrek! They had remembered Rufus Wainwright's version of the song being played in that film. Now, we all had a connection. And that was when I decided to go off script to answer the student's question about Jeff Buckley. I put down my pen and pulled my chair closer to their desks. I asked if they wanted to hear a sad and inspiring story about a father and his son. There was a readily affirmative response. This may be because they wanted the classic teacher tangent move where time would be eaten away and the class period would be over. I tend to think that their interest was genuine. Regardless, I shared with them how a 19-year-old Tim Buckley was a folk musician who was gaining prominence just as he left his first wife pregnant with their son. I talked about how Jeff Buckley grew up without his father. They only met once. This meeting happened shortly before Tim Buckley's accidental drug overdose at the age of 28. I described how Jeff Buckley grew as a musician following a similar musical path forged by his father. I described to them the masterpiece that they were listening to, Grace. I explained how Jeff had to overcome the pressure of living up to the legacy of a father he only met once. As I described the debut of the only fully realized album released in Jeff Buckley's short lifetime, I could feel the energy shift in the room. The connection between teacher and student was deepened due to this alternative path towards relevance. When I described Jeff Buckley's accidental drowning at the age of 30 in 1997, 
I saw one student wipe a tear away. Then it hit me as I saw the answer staring clearly in front of me. We were studying Shakespeare's Henry IV, Part One. This, one of the classic father and son stories, this is one of the iconic stories of youth rebelling against authority. This is the story of Prince Hal distancing himself from the legacy of his father and his impending destiny as the once and future king. I asked the class, did any of this storm and stress between Jeff and Tim Buckley sound familiar to them? A brief pause, and then the collective recognition of the connection to our friend Prince Hal in Shakespeare's play arises. What followed was a sincere and engaging conversation between a teacher and his students on the nature of fathers and sons as evidenced in Henry IV Part One, and Jeff Buckley's album, Grace. It turned out to be a meaningful and memorable moment in the class. Every time I hear Grace, I think back fondly to those special classroom days. I remember students asking me if I could burn them a copy of the album as they left that class that day. I remember going home and burning 11 copies for my students. Remember those days when we burned discs and made mixtapes? I remember their grateful smiles when I came the next day armed with a copy of this gem of an album that inspired a teachable moment. It was grace. Teachable moments mean different things for many because I do think they are subjective in nature. You cannot dust off the teachable moment tool from a shelf or pick it out of a file cabinet of other tried and true teaching resources. They just happen in a spontaneous manner and fill a learning space in a profound way. For me, my paradigm of a teachable moment is grace. Grace. An eclectic album that started off as background music for classroom catch-up day stands as my definition of a teachable moment. We cherish those moments that build insight, meaning, and connection in our lives and in the lives of others. Isn't that great when that happens? That's it for this episode. Thanks for listening to the Principal Liner Notes podcast. I truly appreciate you listening, and I am grateful for you taking the time to tune in. 
Thanks to the Sky Dogs for inspiration behind the closing musical theme of this podcast. The song is called Another Groovy Day 3.0, and yours truly composed and performed on it. Thanks to the legacy of Jeff Buckley and his masterpiece of an album, Grace. Thanks to Bill Shakespeare for timeless and universal bardness. Thanks to my former students in my good old Shakespeare class. You can follow me on Twitter at SMGaylord. If you are listening on any podcast platform and you enjoyed this episode, then a review would sure be appreciated. Also, please subscribe to this podcast if you would like on Apple, as your support is greatly appreciated there. You are also welcome to leave feedback via recorded message on Anchor if you're listening on that app. You can also hear this podcast on many other platforms from Spotify to Stitcher. You can view the whole list of available platforms at anchor.fm slash Sean dash Gaylord. Sean is spelled S-E-A-N and Gaylord is spelled G-A-I-L-L-A-R-D. Thanks to Nicole Michael of 910 Public Relations for fab and fruitful promotion. This is Sean Gaylord and this is the Principal Liner Notes podcast signing off for now. Don't forget to share your passions and dreams. Our world needs them from you. Remember to tune in to those teachable moments when they happen. You just might change the world for a child. Catch you on the flip side. I will see you at the next episode. Thanks again for tuning into the Principal Liner Notes podcast. Coming up on the next episode of the Principal Liner Notes podcast. When Bob Dylan picked up a Fender Stratocaster guitar at the 1965 Newport Folk Music Festival, it caused a cultural, world-changing revolution. Dylan Goes Electric is a sentence associated with pushing boundaries and challenging the status quo. We will explore how that seminal moment in music history can inspire similar moves in the schoolhouse. Join me for episode 26 of the Principal Liner Notes podcast. <laughs>